This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets are back in league action after the international break and they commence their seemingly relentless never-ending charge to the Premier League. This is the None and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Preview Show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week are panellist Richard Steele and our resident statistician Dave Statman-Roberts who's going to be joining us from the Preview Show studio to give us all of your stats, tents, tips and everything you need to know ahead of this weekend's EFL fixture. Um, Rich, let's dive straight in here because we've got a few things to cover before we get into the nitty gritty. In force break um, with the internationals, the last time we saw the Clarence in action, it was a very unhappy trip to the Etihad once again. Um, I guess I'm going to start with you by just saying like, how are you feeling now as we start this final push towards the end of the season, final nine games, um, no more breaks and surely a title and promotion to celebrate soon. What's your current state of mind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's great, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, I'm probably feeling a little bit better, better than you anyway, Natalie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's... Do you know what? It's actually a funny one, isn't it? There's... It's so nice watching us at, at the moment. Like you said, we got nine, ten games left. I've lost track a little bit now. I think uh, it's nine. I'm pretty sure nine. it's nine. Yeah. And you know we're going to go up. Uh, you know, we know we're going to win the league. You know, so it's a nice place to be in. We've got players coming back from injury. Um, but at the same time, something that we all love about football is having that little bit of an edge, isn't it? And that little yes. bit of nerves and, and tension is as difficult as the relegation battle was and stressful, like you're kind of almost buzzing to go to games where it's kind of like, kind of get that relaxed feeling now, which is a nice feeling in some ways. Um, unfortunately, I, I couldn't go to the whole away game, just night night games up north for me because I'm kind of working yeah. in Cheshire at the moment uh, a bit too much. So um, I was kind of just like lying down on the couch watching it. And if you ask anyone who watches Burnley games with me, they know I'm normally on the edge of the seat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Pacing, I'm up, not. And down the, uh, <laughs> pacing up and down the living room. But yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. There'll be a lot of people who won't be happy. It's on a Friday night, but I'm buzzing because I'm going to Madrid on Saturday. 
So okay. it's worked really well. The sky fixed to change. And then I think the Easter weekend will be an exciting one. Looking ahead to yes. the oh United, definitely two games, which will get me off the edge of the seat. And you kind of think, you know, you're two games away from promotion, aren't you? So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm going to Middlesbrough away and I'm kind of keeping my fingers and, and toes crossed that we do it. At, from a selfish reason, we'll do it from that point of view. But I think at the very worst, I think we'll see a promotion um, against Sheffield United on the Easter Monday. But yeah, exciting times. And yeah, just looking forward to going back on the turf, really. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that about the, the slight lack of edge. Um, it's it's such a complex game as football, being a football fan, and it's a really complex set of emotions. I think, you know, when it's really bad, it's just not enjoyable. When it's really good, you're like, well, this is easy. And I think you want that ideal balance, don't you, of... Um, so I, I liked it when it was maybe like a month to seven days ago where it looked like we were going to go up and we were probably going to get the title. But there were still so many games left and the gap wasn't quite as ridiculous as it is now. You just There's that edge to it, isn't there? And there's that thing that just gets you going at the end of the, of the day. Um, I don't want to dwell on the game too much because we all knew what it was, but was there anything from the City game, Rich, that you think needs addressing this season? Do you write off the whole game as, well, it's just City and it's ridiculous and that's not the benchmark that we need to be trying to get to? Or do you just think, actually, you know, we can use X, Y and Z to drive us forward as a team? Yeah, I think it's, um, listen, I thought the first half an hour we played really well. Mm. I thought, you know, leading up to the goal, we were starting to have a lot of momentum. Obviously, Teller had a couple of chances and was playing nice football and just a reminder of how good some of these top players are. You know, obviously you've, they've got Haaland do at the moment. He, he, you know, before that game, he get he got five against Leipzig, and I think that shows the level City are at. Is that they beat RB Leipzig seven nil, who are a very good side. I actually watched the second half that City played Leipzig in the home when Leipzig was at home, and Leipzig won the second half one nil and got a one all draw. And it just shows when they're on it, they can really rip teams apart. And yeah, it is what it is. You know, I was slightly disappointed we rested a few players. I thought Me going too. into the going into the national bay, why not play your full strength team? Why not play Muric, um, for an example? For me, why not? Why why not play Barnes who could yeah. have maybe held the ball up a little bit better? But you know, we we've kind of talked a lot, haven't we, about loan players sign them all up and and whatever. And I think it, it's just even though our level isn't City, of course, it's not just a reminder of. Yeah, because you've done really well in the championship doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to absolutely smash it in the Prem. Right. Uh, but you'd expect us to be competing, just, wouldn't you, oh, against... Yeah. I think with this current team we've got now, I think we stay in the Prem anyway. Yeah, um, But it's still a reminder that we probably need six or seven players. For me, going from that game, I think we need a little bit more physicality, especially in midfield areas. Yeah. Um, but you listen, it's one of them, enjoyed it, enjoyed the game. I was actually in the late for my 30th, so I was watching, couldn't go, so I was watching it with a chippy tea. Um, oh, dream. Yeah, it was good. My mate, because we had some cookies, my mate said every time we scored a goal in the second half, I kept eating a cookie, which was subconscious, I didn't even realise, <laughs> uh, which has been nice after, after having a I was going to say, the wheels are off now, aren't they, after your... Well, uh... Your no, I'm, I'm kind of, it, it was it was just that weekend, but yeah, it's it's a real difficult one in it, you know. And 
Yeah, I thought there was a. If I'm being honest, there was a lot of very rational responses on on Twitter about the game and the irrational situation. Irrational, rational. Sorry, irrational. I irrational. felt personally. Yeah. Maybe that. Yeah. Maybe that's the people I follow. I don't. I don't no, know. I, I, I saw that as well. I saw that. Yeah, well. and um, an understanding and an expectation of where we are, but I think company company's not daft. He knows where we'll need to recruit. He'll know how many we need to recruit, and. Listen, get this embargo out of the way, which I'm sure we will do, and then we can, you know, really start looking ahead and planning uh, for the summer. And I think that's a that's a great thing, isn't it? Now, because promotion sealed, we'll already have targets lined up. We'll already yeah. agents and and all, you know, we'll already be kind of looking at the market. We can go in and and where we can spend and everything. So yeah, it's just exciting times moving moving on from that game for the rest of the season. And kind of, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to the transfer window this summer to yeah, see who we're going too. to be linked with the caliber of players, and hopefully we'll be linked with more Maxwell Carney caliber of players rather than Dale Stephen, Dale Stephen caliber of players this summer. Yeah, Dale, Dale Stevens who retired this this week. Who, uh, yeah, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to, good him. Luck to him. Um, well, we've had a couple of of boosters, haven't we? About that, we're we're hearing. Reports that Matson's due to sign on. I think Chelsea is struggling from um, an, a finance perspective, and I think I think there's probably a recognition from Matson as well that he's he's hardly going to be pushing for the first team if he goes back to Chelsea anyway. So I guess I guess that's a, a poss- possible booster. I mean, at, <clears throat> out of the four key loan players, right? So you've got Harwood, Bellis, Matson, uh, Bayer, and Teller. They're the four key uh, loan signings. Where I've gone from thinking we might get one out of four to genuinely looking at this and thinking we could genuinely get all four of them permanently. I, I don't think we get Howard Bellis permanently. I'd be not? very surprised. I think he's someone who City see as playing for them in the future. Uh, so whether we, whether you know, I've seen reports that he's looking at signing a new contract to, at City, whether we get, you know, we could possibly get him back on loan, which would be great. Yeah. Um, Matson's making a lot of noise in, in the press that he'd be happy to come back to Burnley and same as Jordan Bayer. Um, I think Bayer pra- seems to me practically a done deal from yeah, what I like even so like Gladbach, Sherman. You don't have a clue what's going on at, at Chelsea, if I'm being honest. So Chelsea don't have a clue what's going on at Chelsea. No, and obviously <laughs> they've obviously signed a lot of players and there's going to be financial fair play possible impl- implications, even though I think that's uh, kind of a system that's flawed. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, lastly, Teller. I've always kind of sat on the fence with Teller a little bit. I think if you play, this is my opinion on Teller, if you play Teller as a number 10, he's someone who I think has got a massive potential, and and I think even at Premier League level, his pace running in behind and he's a great finisher will yeah. really help. But play, but for me, he's not, a, he's not a Premier League level winger. So I think no. it depends where a company sees him playing. Um and what what Southampton are gonna do if Southampton stay up or go down, they're gonna want they're gonna wanna keep him in a way or they're gonna demand a, a, a decent transfer fee. So um I'm not I'm not worried a, about Southampton's future, Rich, to be honest. I think I think he's likely to come to Burnley whether Southampton stay yeah. up or not, to be honest. Yeah. So but going back to so whether his availability becomes easier, um yeah, for me, I think if you play him in that number ten, I think he, I think the development he's had in that position and will continue to have, even though I think he's like twenty two, twenty three, because of injuries, he's not actually played a lot of football. No, uh, and like you said, you know when he when he does play in that position, he's a he's electric and 
maybe a couple of injuries to Benson or, you know, well, maybe an injury to Benson has allowed him to come inside a little bit more. And I think he's really flourished in that position. Good. Excellent. Yeah, well, let's see Let's see what the, the chance window lead, sorry, means for us. Um, we do have the second um, fan advisory board meeting, I think, towards the end of April. Um, and as uh, listeners who follow our social medias will know, we've got three non and ever team members on that panel, myself, George, uh, representing the Trust and Charlotte. Um Without doubt, the first thing that we'll be discussing is what on earth has happened with these accounts and why, mm. you know, is it simply um, a case that a change in auditor and there's been a professional mess up? Um, so I'm say something else then. Um, and it is going to get ironed out, but obviously we'll report back on that. I haven't seen anything yet that concerns me other than a procedural um, mistake that will get rectified. And actually, I know it sounds ridiculous, but the the speed at which the EFL have been handing out transfer embargoes willy-nilly to everybody. I think there's now four in the top flight. Um, just kind of short. It, it, to me, that kind of dampened it a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, the, the, the EFL are just throwing some weight around this, which doesn't doesn't detract from the seriousness of it, but I don't think it's it's quite as worrying as, as what people thought. So we will report back on that um, after that meeting. In the meantime, let's have a look ahead to this weekend's fixture. Now, before we get into that, we, of course... Many moons ago, before we did you our um, Manchester City preview, we left you with a quiz question. And that question was, prior to the FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester City, ooh, shudder, uh, when was the last time that Burnley played an FA Cup tie in the month of March? And which team did we face? Richard, do you know this? I could not figure this out for the love of the money. I presume it would have been Watford, wouldn't yeah. it? No, no, I don't know then, if it's not that Watford game, the last quarterfinal. Uh, well... As he tends to do most of the season, Statman Dave decided to throw us a little bit of a red herring. Since the year 2000, Burnley have played five FA Cup ties in March, as well as the quarterfinal against Watford in 2003 and the fifth round replay at Deadwood in 2005. We also played a fifth round tie in Arsenal in March 2009. But... Sometimes the answer is more obvious than you think, and that's because this season our fifth round tie against Fleetwood Town was played on that's the first right. of March. So that is the answer to the question. Sneaky, sneaky, Dave Roberts. Sneaky, sneaky. So yes, well done to anybody who submitted those answers. I don't remember seeing any come through on social media. We had a lot of Watford guesses, um, but none for Fleetwood. I think uh, our friend of the show, John Robertson, got it after about four or five attempts. But um, yeah, it's. Fleetwood was your answer. So if you want to have another crack at another quiz question, all you need to do is hang around until the end of the show and we will give you this week's. So it's Friday night fixture, it's Sunderland at home. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. We are going to head now to the preview show studio where we're going to hand over to Dave Statman Roberts for this week's championship head to head. Although the vast majority of league matches between Burnley and Sunderland have taken place in the top flight, this is the 10th season we've spent together in the second tier. Curiously, Burnley's home record in second tier matches against Sunderland is historically poor, as will become very clear as we run you through the previous results. Prior to the 1970s, all previous league meetings were in the top flight, and our first season together at this level was in 1971-72. The match at Turf Moor took place in October 1971. Former Burnley manager Alan Brown was in charge of Sunderland, 
and his side came away with a narrow victory after Colin Waldron had failed to convert a first-half penalty for the Clarets, and Dave Watson had headed home from Dennis Stewart's corner with less than five minutes remaining for a 1-0 away win. Both teams failed to gain promotion at the end of that season, but the following season, 1972-73, was much more successful for Burnley, including a memorable victory over Sunderland at Turf Moor. However, you'll have to wait for the details as that's the topic of this week's memory match. Sunderland were the visitors to Turf Moor for three further second-tier league matches later in the 1970s. For the first two of those, former Burnley manager Jimmy Adamson was in charge of the visitors. The match on New Year's Eve 1977 finished goalless, but there was a more eventful meeting in September 1978. The visitors were reduced to nine men just before half-time following the dismissals of Mick Henderson and Joe Bolton. But Gary Rowell scored twice in the second half as the nine men of Sunderland took a two-goal lead. And although Tony Morley pulled one back, we weren't able to make our numerical advantage count. The fifth and final match from the 70s on our list finished 1-1, as Martin Dobson scored an equaliser just after the break, after Brian Pop Robson had given the visitors a first-half lead. There was just one match at this level in the 1990s, and it was another draw. Once again, Burnley had to come from behind after Martin Smith had put the visitors 1-0 up. This time, it was a David Ayres penalty which levelled the scores, and that was the way it stayed. The match in May 2004 was the end of an era at Turf Moor. After six seasons at the helm, Burnley decided not to renew the contract of manager Stan Turnant, and the last match of that season was at home to Sunderland. Sadly, the Clarets couldn't muster a win, despite taking the lead through Glenn Little, who was also playing his last match for the club, and the visitors won 2-1 with goals from Gary Breen and Kevin Kyle. Another match which was memorable for the wrong reasons took place the following season in March 2005. Burnley lost 2-0, but the main talking point was the debut of striker Adiakin Bay, who came off the bench but lasted less than three minutes before being shown a straight red card for headbutting George McCartney. The final match on our list took place in December 2006. Burnley took a 2-0 lead with a brace from Kyle Lafferty, and it stayed that way until the last 10 minutes, when first Grant Ledbitter pulled one back, before David Connolly found an equaliser in the second minute of stoppage time. So, that past home record in second-tier home games against Sunderland is as follows. Played 9, won 1-1, with 4 draws and 4 defeats. Burnley have scored 8 goals in these matches, compared with 11 for our visitors. Okay, Rich, a little bit of silliness. <laughs> this this feature, I, it's def- I can't believe we've still got this fixture. Uh, this feature in the fixture. Um, most famous celebrity fans, Dave, has won. I love that. Do you, I, honestly, it. it's just, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I sometimes open the show script with a bit of trepidation looking at going, what on earth is Dave shooting here this week? So before we look into Dave's shortlist, did any Sunderland fans immediately spring to mind before you saw what we had on offer? No, to be honest, I imagine obviously because it's quite a big catchment area and, uh, and obviously in a city, they've got quite a few well-supported mm-hmm. club. Um, but no, no, we're recording this quite early in, early-ish in the morning, so yeah, I'm none, not, I'm none not really come to mind. No, not definitely. like, 
I can't think of any of it. It is. It's very early morning. Um, it's actually quite amazing, listeners, that that Rich and I have got ourselves up and um recording this in the. It feels like practically the middle of the night, but yeah, we're not exactly. Let's just say Sunderland famous fans aren't the top of our agenda first thing this morning. Let's let's have a look then and see what Dave has pulled out. Um, number one, Steve Cram, former athlete, coming in at number two, Paul Collingwood, the cricketer. Rich. Should have got that one. Uh, Dave Stewart, who's a musician from the Eurythmics, comes in at number three. And number four, legendary news reporter Kate Ade. At number five, Melanie Hill, the actress from Bread and Corey. Okay. And finally, coming in at number six, Sir Tim Rice, songwriter and author. Tim Rice, I know from musical theatre days. Um, that's actually not a bad list, Rich. It's it's quite a credible yeah, list. Yeah, good. Um. How are you ranking that? I'm probably yeah, about that, pretty, that high, I think. Yeah, it's pretty good for me. Uh, there's a couple of older ones uh, that I'm not as sure of. Obviously, Steve Cram, you know, and Paul Collingwood stand out for me being a PE teacher. So, sure. especially the Paul Collingwood one, uh, being a massive cricket fan growing up, watched a lot of Collingwood, still part of the England set up now. Uh, so, I'm going to give that 7 out of 10, me yeah. personally. I'm going I'm to agree with that. Yeah, Kate Aidy's. Um, I've got a huge lot of respect for as a journalist and as yeah. a reporter, so I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to moderate that at seven out of ten. Well done, Sunderland fans. That is very credible score for your celebrity fans. Um, let's head back over then to the previous show studio and back to Dave Roberts, who is going to give us this week's memory match. This week's memory match is Burnley's one and only home win against Sunderland in the second tier and took place towards the end of the very successful 1972-73 season, in which the Clarets went on to become second division champions. Almost 50 years ago, on 16th of April 1973, Sunderland arrived at Turf Moor with Bob Stokoe in charge. The visitors had recently earned a place in that season's FA Cup final, having overcome Arsenal in the semi-final earlier in the month, and knew that they would be playing Leeds United at Wembley the following month. Back to this match, though, and the Clarets took the lead in the 27th minute after Martin Dobson and Billy Ingham combined on the right, and when the ball came across to Paul Fletcher, he turned and lobbed Jim Montgomery for the opener. It stayed that way until a minute before the end, when a powerful shot from Paul Fletcher at the B-hole end beat Jim Montgomery to double the lead and put the result beyond any doubt. The win meant that Burnley's promotion back to the top flight following a two-year absence, was confirmed. The Burnley Express headline read, A day worth waiting for. How the Clarets sealed promotion. However, there were still four matches to play, and Burnley needed to keep up the momentum to ensure they went up as champions. They eventually did that with a 1-1 draw against Preston North End at Deepdale. Although victory on Friday won't confirm Burnley's promotion this time, it would be apt if we could choke up another win over Sunderland to take us one step closer to promotion and the title, 50 years on from that memorable season of 1972-73. And as ever, we like to speak to our opposition fans to get their viewpoint ahead of the game. And this week we spoke to... Who did we speak to? We spoke to Wise Men Say Podcast. Here's their thoughts ahead of the game. Hello guys, I'm Jack coming courtesy of the Wise Men Say Podcast. 
which is the longest running Sunderland AFC podcast. We've been running a full 10 years since 2013 with three shows um, a week. And I'm speaking on this podcast today as uh, the the guys from No Near Never have uh, asked me to give my thoughts on Sunderland's season so far and how I see, obviously, the fixture on Friday night going. Um, as for the season overall, I think we've done well, um, especially for what we've got. I think the the goal always coming up is probably just to stay up. It's a hard division. Um, and when you look at the other two teams who've come up with us, obviously Wigan have suffered the points deduction but weren't looking good anyway. Rotherham are in the relegation scrap. Um, so we've done the best out of the promoted clubs uh, despite being the lowest finishing one. So yeah, we've came up, we've done well, we've been totally stagnated with injuries. We've had a massive striker problem the full season, to be honest with you. I do think um, Tony Mowbray was left slightly short with that, as um, Ross Stewart has had two long-term injuries. Ellis Sims obviously got recalled, and by the end of January, we were left with just Joe Gallart as our only striker, who's only scored one goal up to now and um, is coming under a lot of criticism from a lot of fans, so... I do feel like if we did have them, uh, like maybe a, a striker for the full season, a Ross Stewart, or a, a bit more depth in positions, we could have even hit for the playoffs as we, we looked close to do that at points. Um, but overall, I do think we've still exceeded expectations. We've had a really good season overall. And um, hopefully this is the building blocks to push on next year and maybe get in them playoff spots. But I'm I'm definitely happy with how we've done, we've had a good season, we've been as high as fourth as one point, um, and as late in the season as January, we were up to fourth. So we've done well, and maybe there could have been a chance for a serious playoff push, but that has been hindered by a lot of injuries and not enough depth in the squad, really. Uh, as for just the game tomorrow, yeah, there's been a few points during this season where I've looked at a game and thought, wow, yeah, we're in big trouble, but none so much as this one tomorrow. Not only a Burnley the best team in the league, arguably the best championship side ever. Um, we're, as I say, stagnated with injuries. We've got Dan Ballard out, Jameson Burnett out, Elliot Embleton, Corey Evans, Ross Stewart, uh, Agilis, Dennis Sergan. You know, we're up to our neck in injuries. We're really down to bare bones to the point where Tony Mowbray said 15-year-old Chris Rigg could feature tomorrow against the champions-elect. So, yeah, I can't see anything other than a, at least a 3-0 win for your lot. But it'd be very Sunderland of us to do something like we did at Norwich the other week. Norwich on fire. We've lost our last three. And we go and smash and grab and get a 1-0 win. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it's always good to watch a team like Burnley. You know, they're really, really fun to watch. But, yeah, we're, we're in big trouble tomorrow. Obviously, from the reverse fixture, you beat us there, which I'm sure was... Cracking away there for uh, the Clarets as it came from two goals behind to beat us 4-2 in the second half. But, yeah, hopefully an entertaining game. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see us get something. But I can't see it at all. And I'm sure a lot of teams have said that here this season. But, yeah, I think you're going to absolutely wallop us tomorrow, if I'm honest. Cheers, guys, and all the best. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And then referee news for you. 36-year-old Australian-born referee Jared Gillette, who is now based in Liverpool. Gillette or Gillet? Gillet. Who knows? Um, he's based in Liverpool. He returns to Turf Moor to take charge of just his second ever Burnley match. The first time we saw him, it was in the middle uh, no, not in the middle, sorry. The first time we saw him in the middle for a Burnley match was a 2-1 home win over West Brom back in January. Although we went on to win that game, his performance on the night wasn't exactly universally popular with Clarets fans. I think we all remember this. Um, he appeared to miss a blatant push on Charlie Taylor for Albion's early opener, then also turned down a couple of penalty appeals at the other end, including what appeared to be a blatant push on Josh Brownhill. Prior to the season, he's also been the video assistant referee for five of Burnley's Premier League matches between 2020 and 2022. And a select one group official, the majority of his appointments are now for Premier League matches. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the greatest. That was a frustrating night against West Brom. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. We didn't yeah. get it all our own way. <laughs> no, yeah, great, great ending. No, with a try, it was, kick, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really was. It was, uh, oh God, yeah. God, we've had some season, haven't we? We really have. Um, so let's get our heads into EFL news then, Rich. How are you feeling um, ahead of the game? We should have a full-strength side. I'm not particularly concerned about any hangover from the City game. I think it's going to be just fine. Um, I fully expect Burnley to kick off from where they left off. What do you think company's approach to the game will be? Ruthless? Take it easy. Where where do we think we're gonna we're gonna end up? Here? I think I think you know the answer to that. I think company will never ever take a. I think you've had to ask that question, but you know the answer. I think yeah. uh, company's <laughs> just relentless with everything he does. Um, I think Sunderland's got quite a few injuries as well. Um, from what I've been reading on on Twitter, I think a centre half we were very very close to signing. Apparently, he was in for medical or failed a medical. Dan Ballard, who I've oh, been impressed okay. with. Yeah, when no, I didn't realise that. Yeah, he's um, and he's done well when I've watched him, and and I think he's injured. Every time I watch Sunderland, um, I really like watching them. Actually, obviously, we had a fantastic win, and it was um, up at the stadium. I like when we come from two down to win four two, probably up there, my you know top two away games this mm. season. Um, which was you know Zerui kind of really announced himself, didn't he, with yeah, that he great did. curling effort? So I don't think they're going to sit ten men behind the ball, but I think overall that'll. Uh, that will suit us. And obviously, we've got a lot of players coming back from international duty, so I don't know if that will have any impact at all. Uh, but I'm fully expecting us to you know, to get the three points and kind of be that one win away. Well, hopefully being able to go to Middlesbrough on the on the Good Friday, able to get promoted. Um, 
team-wise, obviously we've got players back, which is great. I think Benson, Howard, Bellis will be in the squad. Maybe churling off. I know he's done well for Macedonia. I think Jay's still out, which is a bit of a blow. Um, interesting how he goes in. I think Brownell will be back too. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, um, I was gonna, that was going to be my next question. I've not seen anything. So I've not um, seen anything necessarily either way. And if, it's interesting if Brownell is back because he's been playing Gunmanson in kind of centre mid, hasn't he? Yeah. Whether he goes back to um, kind of like Brownell playing there. I think if he's fit, Brownell will start. Yeah, um, I, I don't think Benson will start. I think he'll an impact sub off the bench. I know Ed Dow picked up a bit of a knock with Sweden, had to go off at our time. So, um, again, does he play? Does Howard Bellis play? So, I think I think a couple of little selection dilemmas, but they're all really, really good selection dilemmas, aren't they? Mm. They're all very, very good players. And I think we'll look at our starting 11 and our bench on Saturday, on, on Friday, so I'm going to go, bloody hell, that is a strong, this, strong yeah, team. It really, really is. Um, yeah. What are you um, What are you thinking up front? Just standard. Yeah, I think Barnes I think just crack Barnes on. Yeah, I think yeah. obviously Barnes has been a listen. It has been a great turnaround this season. I still, I still think again, you're talking at plays next year. Would I renew Barnes? No, I wouldn't. I, I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League no. consistently. Uh, and, and and I know people will be saying, well, he needs his experience. And listen, if he gets a one year deal, um, you know. I won't necessarily be disappointed, but I think we need to be looking at better calibre of players. I don't think Foster's quite still quite ready yet, even though he scored a good goal against Wigan. Um, I think he had a bit of an illness, actually. I don't think he played for South Africa the other night, and in, but he did oh, score did two in, yeah. um, in the first African uh, Cup of Nations qualifier. So, um, yeah, just Barnes up, Barnes up front again. He's doing a great job. And actually, one thing I will say about Barnes is I think he's helped Teller playing in yes. behind. I think it created a lot of that space. And I think, like you said, then, you know, from Barnes not playing and from Teller playing out wide, kind of from Barnes and now going up top, up top and Teller going number 10, I think that's really created another dimension for us and yeah, another definitely. outlet. And not not a long ball out, outlet, but um, an opportunity for us to go a little bit more direct if needed as well. So, yeah, Barnes up front. And, um, yeah, I'd still like to see Teller in behind. Lovely. Give me a score prediction then, please. 2 3 0, I think. I think yeah, it'll be quite comfortable. If Sunderland might score, I'm going to go because they've got some good attacking players, even though Ross Stewart's injured. Do you know what his nickname is, Natalie? Ross Stewart. No. He's a very lot Ness Drogba. So I think that's a great no! nickname. That's yeah. the best nickname in the whole world. He's obviously from like, the Scottish yes. Highlands. I think he comes from around Ross County, maybe. No, Sorry if I'm wrong, true. if any Sunderland fans are listening, but. He's injured, which is a shame. But I think they've got an attacking threat. So, if I'm going to nail down one, I'm going to go 3-1 Burnley. I'm going to say 3-0 Burnley. I just, um, we're just not, obviously, until we face City. We don't we don't concede a lot of goals. And I, I think having a full-strength defence <coughs> and Mirovic back in goal as well, I just I don't see that immediately changing. So, I'm going to say 3-0. Do let us know your score predictions, listeners. You know the drill by now. You can tweet us at None and Ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can drop us an email at previewshow at noneandever.net. I'm going to leave you this week with Dave Statman Roberts' miscellaneous stat of the week, which he has left us to read out. He hasn't pre-recorded this one for us. He has left it with us. And it starts with a quote saying, Empty seats, my lord. Let's see where he's going with this. Instead of a stat of the week, we're going to reflect on the news that Burnley were only allocated 2,000 tickets for the rearranged match to Ewood Park following, uh, sorry, towards the end of April. 
although this is within the rules, apparently 2,000 is the minimum ticket allocation in the EFL for a ground that holds more than 20,000, it still seems like an extremely petty decision by the home club and one that has not gone down well with Burnley fans or indeed the Burnley chairman, I would add. And uh, I think we've all seen Alan Pace's fantastic statement on that score. The ballot for tickets has now taken place. So well done to anybody who was successful and commiserations to anyone who missed out, including those that weren't even able to get into the ballot. We do have a proper quiz question later, but without wanting to fan the flames in the aftermath of this ticketing debacle, we want you to predict how many empty seats there will be at Ewood Park on the 25th of April. The ground supposedly holds 31,367, so you would need to subtract what you think is going to be the actual attendance for the forthcoming match to derive your prediction of the number of empty seats. Do let us know what you think it will be. Okay, uh, second half of the show, we're going to head over to the FPL studio where resident FPL expert Adam Dennett has given us an update on game week 20-something or other uh, to let us know how things are shaping up at the top of the known and never FPL. Hi, Adam here with your known and never FPL update from blank game week 28 and a look ahead to double game week 29. Starting with your game week 28 team of the week. There are only seven fixtures this week, so limited players to choose from. Uh, And a lower scoring week than normal, 118 points this would have got you. Uh, Starting with two Villa players, uh, Martinez in goal with a save and clean sheet points, um, and Mings at the back. Um, with a clean sheet assist and three bonus points in Aston Villa's 3-0 victory at home to Bournemouth. Um, Then Christensen from Leeds with a goal and one bonus point in their 4-2 victory, crucial victory away at Wolves, uh, wide open at the bottom still. And completing your back three, Spurs new signing Pedro Porro with a goal in his side's 3-0 draw against Southampton. As you can see, plenty of goals this game week. Moving into midfield, your top scorer from the week and popular captain, um, Saka from Arsenal, with two goals, an assist and three bonus points, banging him 18 points this week in Arsenal's 4-1 demolition of Palace, who don't really have a senior goalkeeper. Don't know if that's any different after the international break, but could be a team to target. Uh, moving on, there's uh, Abdullah Dekure from Everton with a goal, assist and three bonus points in their 2 all draw away at Chelsea. Another former Everton player, Theo Walcott, with a rare goal, assist and bonus point in Southampton's 3 all draw in Spurs. Another Villa player, Douglas Louise, with a goal and three bonus points. And completing the midfield, Brentford midfielder Jensen with a, also with a goal and three bonus points in their 1-1 draw at home to Leicester City. Up front, Isaac from Newcastle uh, with two goals and three bonus points. A very late, late penalty winner uh, for Newcastle away at Forest. And Che Adams with a goal and three bonus points in that six-goal thriller between Southampton and Spurs. Now, onto your no-nay-never overall rankings. And there has been some changes at the top. In into, Back into the top five is Rupert Boo. They were a long-time le- leader earlier in the season with 1,838 points. I'm in fourth place 
my vintage Claret side with 1,845 points. Third, uh, down a couple of places, former leader Alex Maxwell uh, with 1,846 points. Just one point ahead um, is Alice Flanagan with 1,847 points. A new leader, um, and as we'll find out uh, in a moment, had a very good month. Uh, Joe Bailiff with ABCDEFC. 14 points clear at the top at the moment with 1,861 points. And as I've mentioned, the March Manager of the Month uh, award is now, I'm ready to uh, reveal it, um, as we've had the international break, so only three game weeks this month. Um, in fifth place, Joe Bailiff, our overall leader, in joint fifth for the month with 228 points with Paul Haycock. In fourth, is another one of my mates from Tottenham, Paul Senior, with 230 points. Third, uh, Sean Retty, who's been on talking all things FPL last season. Retford Rovers, 232 points. Second place, Simon Finch, with 236 points. And another guest we've had on the pod, getting the victory this month. I don't think he's actually a Burnley fan, so I don't know if uh, that still makes him eligible for uh, for the no-name ever sticker, but he's won one anyway. It's Jason McKenna from Premier Injury Injuries. His MVPFC side, 10 points clear with 246. Well done, Jason. I think we'll uh, get in touch with you and, uh, and get that sticker sent out. Um, just looking ahead to double game week 29, there's 12 teams that have a double game week this week in what is guaranteed to be the biggest game week of the season. So transfers, captaincy and chip strategy are all vital going into this week. I'm going to ask producer Matt to upload the confirmed and projected fixtures for the rest of the season to help your planning. But there's so many options this week. It could go so many ways. So uh, good luck to everyone. Uh, the deadline is this Saturday. April the 1st, don't be a fool and miss it at 11am. Wishing you all green arrows for double game week 29. Up the clarets. Okay, Rich, finally, Dave's left us with a question to finish off this week's preview show, so listen up. Let's see if you know what this is. Um, although no Burnley player has scored a hat-trick against this week's opposition in a second-tier match at Turf Moor, two Burnley players have achieved that feat in top-flight matches against Sunderland. Can you name any of them? Uh, Andre Gray is one. Ooh, and? Will it be my era? God knows. Or... God knows. Who knows? Let's see. Uh, well, me and Rich think well, it, Andre Gray might be one of them. another top flight in my time. Um, so, I don't know, Leighton James. Oh, that's a good shot. I'm going to say Andy Payton. I have no idea. Top either. flight? He wants to play in the top flight for Andy Payton. Top flight doesn't necessarily mean Premier League. It means Division One, doesn't it? So it, it means either Division Would One or not, Premier League. Were we not? Were we not in the Division One at any point when Payton was? Because he was with us for like yeah, but, years. Yeah, but he? that would have been classed as the Championship. Top flight. I think, I think he. I think. Oh, I think he means top. either the old First Division or. Yeah, but Andy Payton did play. He for never us played in the, the First Division. Right. Okay. Then let's let's say. Don't know Leighton James. No, it was way before I though. Have, he, he... I could have sworn that we were in the top flights at some point when Andy Payton was there. Andy Payton only signed in the late nineties and left oh, in yeah, the early two thousands. That's true. Yeah, so we would have missed I used to it. Think it was earlier. Yeah, we missed it by probably a good seven or eight years. About maybe twenty years, not a... No, not that. Well, long. we didn't. 
Well, we didn't. When when did we get relegated from the top flight? We got promoted in two thousand and nine, and that was the first time in thirty six years. Oh yeah, that's true. Actually, I know oh, you've yeah. been a bit ill, Natalie. So I I'll let you off with your math. Yeah, my brain's not working. I'm just like, no, surely we were like in the top flight in like ninety three, ninety four, something like that, weren't we? No, it's in like Division Four then, probably. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Do you know what? Let's end this chaos right now. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and I will go and brush up my historic <laughs> timeline of Burnley's attendance in the top flight. <laughs> that is all we've got time for, listeners. Thank you so much for spending the previous show with us. Uh, we have um, a lot to look forward to in the last nine games of the season. And hopefully, I think if we get to around the Reading game, by the time we're playing Reading and Rotherham, we're going to be promoted and champions, so fingers crossed. Um, we will be back next week looking um, at what happened at that Sunderland game and previewing what's next for the Mighty Clarets. Um, this has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.